So Tuesday at the table, 6 p.m. on the 13th. That'll be our first go round at that. It's going to be awesome. Be here. Um, we hadn't figured out food yet. It'll, it, I'll tell you next week. It might be a potluck. You might bring your favorite dish. We might bring some stuff. I just don't want to do pizza. You know what I'm saying? I don't like to eat pizza in my family. I like to sit down and have some mashed potatoes, steak, stuffing, <laughs> grits. <laughs> I don't know. We'll just throw it all in there. I'm just hungry. <laughs> but yeah, that'll be Tuesday at the table. Uh, October 1st, this is for all the men. Uh, we have a men's gathering October 1st. It's called Man on Fire. This is going to be our first gathering. It's going to be over to Courts of Praise. Um, so, uh, it's right, right. It's like five miles down the road. So we'll get that information. Mama Rachel and, um, brother Bo, they are the, uh, uh, the pastors over there. Um, there are apostles here. So they're, they're spiritual parents in this house, but, uh, we are doing a man on fire. So we have several churches coming in for this. It's just a, a morning event. This is actually the, the birthing of something a lot bigger. So we're going to do a full three-day three conference, but it's kind of hard to do that when people don't understand really what it is. So this is a free event. Show up. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to kind of give you a little taste of what's coming, and that'll get you hungry for this. It's something that we're going to do throughout the year, and then we'll meet up once a year as a big gathering with, with people coming in from all over to kind of, you know how it is, iron sharpens iron. We get together and do those things. So please put that on your calendar, October 1st, um, over there, Courts of Praise. Um, our Mexico trip, that's the next thing we want to talk about. This is awesome. So, hey, another mission. Look, we went from zero missions to this is our third trip this year. Hey, we say when God calls you to the nations, you go to the nations. You figure it out. And uh, you just keep saying yes. So we're going back to Mexico, 5th through the 15th. If you're interested in that, you need to be here right after service today. So right after service, quick meeting to cover some of that information, to give you some information um, and, and verify who's actually going. I know I had some other people reach out to me and couldn't be here, and that's fine. But look, if you can be here, if you have questions about this or any missions in the future, please be here right after service today. So it's not too late to get part of this. It's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. We're going to go down to Mexico, and, and man, we're going to go preach the gospel to people that never heard it before. We're going to go love on families that I just met, like, in July. So it's going to be so good to go see the brothers and sisters down there. So that's amazing. Looking forward to that. Is it a red one or is that, you good? <laughs> she can do that. <laughs> we good? We're going down to visit them in Mexico in December. So that'll be fun. We're, we're excited about that. Uh, small groups start this week. Come on, be part of small groups. We're excited about small groups. Um, this is one up here. Uh, if you didn't sign up on it, last week was rally day. So last week we all met in the annex. We had all these things set up. Got a lot of people interested in small groups. This is one that's not here. It's over to Courts of Praise. Um, but Jordan is hosting this. He came down from Illinois. He's part of their family now. Uh, but this is all about, it's a painting course. So this is free. You know, obviously the first one we're going to say is free. He's, this guy can do murals. Everything you see up there, he's painted. He is phenomenal, but he's going to teach how that is uh, and how God works through that and in that. So it's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, and then however that works, show up there September 6th at 4, and he'll give you more information. But he was not here, and that's not on our website, so I wanted to talk about that, uh, about going on over there at Courts Praise. So make sure you be part of that. I think that's all the announcements I have. Besides, can you turn my phone on vibrate, please? 
I get people texting me all the time in service. Were you guys here that time that my daughter from, from was it Germany? She, she called me on FaceTime while I was preaching. I was like, in the middle of preaching, how do, what do you do? You just answer it, show it to everybody. So anyway, let, let's pray. And I want to jump into some stuff this morning. Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you, Father. I ask you right now, touch my heart. Father, let this be all of you, Father God, none of me. Work in this house. Continue to saturate us in your love. Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So we are still, we've been talking about being ambassadors for Christ for a while now. I think it's like, you know, a month and a half or something like that. Uh, And I'm going to continue talking about that. Last week, we talked about Uh, being an ambassador. We talked about, I kind of just got back from Africa last week. So last week was pretty powerful. I just come back from Africa, spent two weeks there, and I was sharing that last week to a level that I could when the computer crashed. So so we luckily to get some videos that we played at the end. I'm not playing those videos again today, Um, but I do have stuff I want to follow up with on that trip that, that I think is very important as we continue to to, to talk about being ambassadors. So uh, those videos will be out there. We'll get them posted on the website this week. So if you missed those, if you want to see everything that happened, they're professionally done videos. They're really awesome. And uh, you can, you'll be able to watch those online. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can go to 2 Corinthians 5.20. <clears throat> and we will have it on the screen this week. Look, I'm, I, you just need to know you never know. Bring your Bibles every Sunday because you never know if our computer's going to crash or not. And sometimes the computer will work great, and I just won't put it up there. So 2 Corinthians 5.20, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. So we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. This is so important we understand this, that we are his ambassadors. We represent him. We represent the kingdom in everything we do. He is making an appeal through us. See, once you receive his love, once you understand uh, your beloved identity, once you understand who you are in him and through him, it is your job to go do what? Make an appeal. He's going to make an appeal through you to go reach people in this world. Okay, you have to be an ambassador to that. You have to be an ambassador to the kingdom. You should represent that. You know, I hear a lot of people say, man, we want the kingdom come. Like, we want your kingdom to come. Do you really? Do you really want his kingdom on earth right now? Because it's going to look a little different. And all of a sudden, everything you care about that you think is so important in your life because you live in the U.S. and you have all these things and all those things you've been chasing because they're your dreams and your passions and what you love to do, that goes away. Like you learn that that, that, that when you want his kingdom to come, you now submit to that. Like, Like that's powerful. So we say it all the time, but do we, do we really, really want it? <laughs> and do we want to do what it takes to get it here? Man, do, do, you know, do we really want to seek him with all of our heart and surrender everything to him and be obedient to his word and say yes to everything he says for his kingdom to come? Because that's asking a lot. But the cool part in that, it sounds like a lot. It, it sounds like it's something you can't handle. But the truth of the matter is, is that when you start saying yes, every time you say yes to that, it becomes better and better and better and better and better. And all of a sudden, it doesn't hurt anymore. All of a sudden, it doesn't sting anymore. There's no fear in it anymore. It just becomes a simple yes. And pretty soon, you look back on your life and you go, how did I get here? 
Like, I remember having dreams of different things, and I'm not doing any of those things. I mean, I was going to be working on some major airplanes and doing some awesome things in my life was my game plans. I had it all worked out. (laughs) Church was not in that (laughs) at all. But see, once you say yes and you say yes, I don't even dream about that. I had one guy, I, I ran into somebody the other day and and they started talking about airplanes. The next thing I know, we're talking for hours, and I'm just geeking out over airplanes. And I'm like, yeah, that used to be part of my life. Then I started thinking, I am so glad I don't do that. Like, I love this part so much better. But it wasn't that way when you're doing it. When you're saying yes, there's, there's, sometimes there's some stress in that. Sometimes you're like, okay, if I say yes to this, <laughs> like, how's all this other stuff going to work? We don't have to have it figured out. He does. That's the cool part. When you have faith in him and you trust in him and you're really saying yes, he'll take control of everything. So, so your kingdom, you know, we want his kingdom to come. It needs to be his will, not yours. It's not your kingdom come. It's his kingdom come. So we got to figure out what, what, whose kingdom are we representing every day? Are we representing the one that we want or the one that he wants? Okay, so, so that's it. So ambassadors, you know, ambassadors come with a lot of things and, um, you know, we've talked about this for a while. We've talked about uh, everything you have to do as an ambassador, everything it involves, um, everything, how we communicate, so how we talk, how we love, how we argue, how we forgive, all these things. Uh, being an ambassador means you get to walk in that. You have to um, resemble the kingdom. So you got to resemble him in everything. So this should challenge you every week. Like every time I say that, I go, well, I didn't do that all that well this week in everything. I can point out the spots where I go, man, I was really good. And then I other spots where I go, man, I could have been just a little bit better being an ambassador at other times. So, so we need to keep that in our mind. Everything we do should represent him. It doesn't matter what the cost. And this is, we're talking about when you surrender to him, you leave everything else behind. You see it all in the Bible. When people said, I'm gonna follow you, they didn't say, I'm gonna follow you and bring everything with me. They had to leave everything behind. Does that mean you don't get to have the things that you want? No, exact opposite. I think that, that when you follow him and you say yes and you walk in obedience, he wants to plead. He wants to give you all those things. Now, does your mind change a little bit? Yeah, because all of a sudden those things that you wanted before aren't that important. So the stuff you, you don't get is probably stuff you didn't need anyway and you really don't think about it the way you did before. But the things that matter, man, they become so important and he just wants to please you and get it to you. But we know with his kingdom, you got to think about this. We say we want his kingdom. So what comes with that? No abandonment, right? No fear. Come on, this is all good. No hatred, no orphans, no orphan spirit. I mean, his kingdom can change the world. That's why, that's why we want his kingdom to come. But we have a part in that. Like, like we, we facilitate that. That's why we're here. He had a plan for us and he put us here for a reason. And that, that's to help facilitate his kingdom to come. So it's up to us. The whole earth is groaning, <laughs> waiting for sons and daughters. That's us. Right? He's just waiting on us to say yes and be obedient. Mm. Oh, man. So are you ready to do whatever he asks you to do? And if so, it starts in your home. So you don't start by just changing the world. You, you got to start in your home. 
And if you can't do it in your home, you're going to have a really hard time doing it anywhere else. <laughs> so always start in your home. Get your home right. Then you can take it anywhere. You can take it to school. You can take it to your job. You, you, you can take it anywhere you want to go. You can take it to the grocery store. You, you, you can change it anywhere, but you have to start in your home. That's so important. And guess what? You know why that's the hardest? Because it's the closest. <laughs> it's the closest. It, it's hard to, to change the way you, you've allowed things to happen for so long. Right? So, so it starts in our home and then it moves out. And then, then here's the cool part. Then you get to the point where we start changing nations. That's what I'm really excited about lately. Maybe because he's, he's let me taste a little bit. And once you start tasting a little bit, you go, man, we can change the world. But here's the thing. Even though it says the nations, we should be reaching the nations. This is a nation, by the way. You need to remember that. This is a nation. Like there's, there's people in, let's, I'll just throw a, we'll throw Germany out. There's people in Germany going the same thing. We need to reach the nations. How are we going to reach the U.S.? And we have people in the U.S. going, how am I going to reach Africa? How am I going to reach Australia? And they're saying the same thing about us. And the cool part is that God has molded us and built us together and given us gifts and all these different things that we're supposed to use to reach people, right? That we're supposed to use to reach the nations. And some of us use it here locally, and some of us are supposed to take it somewhere else. That's why, you know, Mama Rachel and Mama Rachel and Bo, that's why they went 20 four years ago now or 23 years ago or a long time ago, they just picked up and moved to Mexico. That's not for everybody. If you're doing that to emulate somebody, you might want to hold up. You better hear from the Lord because they were built for that. And he used them in that way. And it was so easy, wasn't it, Mama Rachel? <laughs> it was the easiest thing ever. It just worked out. No, because sometimes what he calls you to do is not going to be easy. It takes faith. That's where faith comes in, right? So, so we, we need to understand that, that not everybody's called to the nations. You might be called to this city. You could be called to this state. You could be called to another state, this country. What is your mission field? What are you called to? Who did God surround you with that you feel a drawing to that you can change their lives by sharing the gospel with them? You just got to figure that out. Because we, 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 we can chase all kinds of things in search of whatever he wants. But if we just actually sit and rest, get intimate with him, see him face to face, lay an ear on his chest and listen, man, he will show you exactly where you need to be. Okay? And once again, I'll, I'll repeat this. I'm not like, I am not a missionary. <laughs> I don't plan on, you know, leaving and I'm not moving to some other country. I love it here. I do. But he's called me to the nations. He has. And I've seen that and I've witnessed that. And I've seen why he's pulled me into places. I've heard words spoken over me in languages I don't understand. But I understand why I heard them now. I understand why they were there. And it's not so I can go move there. That's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to bring the message. I'll tell you this. I thought I went to Africa to, to give them something. I went there to get something. So my job was to go there and receive so I could come back and share it and cast a vision and share what's going on in places that you have an opportunity to impact. So that's huge. That's huge. So when we follow him as ambassadors, we've got to surrender to a lot of things. We've got to die to ourselves, die to our own desires, all that stuff. Oh, man. 
And where we get hung up, though, is that we, we have a problem. And I might be all over the place today, so just go with me. <laughs> we, might, we might have a problem because we think we don't have enough to do something. Right? So he doesn't operate out of your you know, abundance. He operates out of your obedience. So it doesn't matter what you have. A lot of times we sit around and go, you know what? I would love to do something, but man, I just, you know, I don't have time. And he goes, just give it to me and I'll show you. I don't need an abundance of time. Well, I don't have finances. Good, I don't need that. I just need you. That's how he works. But we come up with so many excuses why we can't do something, why we can't say yes. Right? And the whole time he says, just say yes. Like, quit coming up with excuses. He goes, I just need your obedience. I'll take care of the rest. So it's so good. It's so good. So, um, so we've talked about this. Ambassadors need to be smart. They need to be obedient. They need to be selfless. Last week we said ambassadors need to love, um, but ambassadors also need to be good stewards. That's huge because God is blessing you with something. We've all been blessed. Now we've all been blessed with all kinds of stuff. See, this is why I'm also here. <laughs> because I like to serve. You. You're welcome. And if that was a coffee, I would have went and got the steam cleaner real quick. Because that's what we do here when we spill coffee on the carpet. We tell somebody so that Kevin doesn't come in and spend the week trying to clean a spot. Man, I love this stuff. I can get right down in it. It's usually right there and right over there somewhere. <laughs> There's somebody that spills over in this area somewhere all the time. I'm calling people out, Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> He's not staring at you. <laughs> but yeah, so so we have to be good stewards of what we have. And this is uh we all have gifts. You know, if you've been through some of our uh, kingdom classes and you've gone through the spiritual gifts and you've received, you understand what they are. Jen teaches that class, does an amazing job. You understand that he's given you a gift. He's given us all different gifts and you're supposed to steward that. That's not for you to hang on to. It's not for you to walk around and go, man, this is so awesome. I got this gift. You're supposed to steward that, which means you're supposed to take care of it. You're supposed to use it. Supposed to honor it. Man. And a lot of times we get those gifts and, and we don't do anything with them but try to collect them. <laughs> You're like, ooh, let me get another one because I've got this cool collection going. And if I get a couple more gifts, I'm gonna have the whole series. I'm pretty sure there's some parables about that where, where he talks about the people that that, that that invest and some that don't and some that just hide it, you know. That's not good. So let's not go there. Use your gifts, get them out there, be a good steward of what he's given you. And if you don't have anything other than gifts, that's fine. He'll use the gifts. Oh. He'll use your yes over anything. Your yes is more important than anything he has. In fact, sometimes, well, sometimes you have to be empty in a lot of things for him to use you. Sometimes you have to be depleted for him to use you. And that's not comfortable. And that's frustrating. When you're going through life thinking you're doing the right thing and you're getting zero results. 
but he plans on using you. I wasn't going to go here, but I'm going to go here today. I'm sorry. If you have your Bibles, go to Luke uh, 5, 1 through 11. I wasn't going to go here, but we're going to go here today. Ah, why does it stir up in my heart like this? So I just went through a, a, a leadership conference. I went down to Mobile. Um, and while I was down there, it was uh, powerful to get a word. Um, I was down at uh, Gates of Zion. Um, we actually have family there now. Uh, Tommy and Barbara Jacks are down there with their son-in-law. He, he's on the worship team down there. He does an amazing job. We got to meet him on Tuesday. Um, Damon Thompson just took over that church. He has now been seated. So he does a monthly leadership and uh, wonderful stuff. This guy gives out tons of information. I mean, it's just a wealth of knowledge. And you got to, it's like calculus. When you first hear it, you have no clue. And then you got to really listen to it a bit and study it. And then you finally figure out what he's talking about. Um, he shared this while he was there real quick. He shared a whole bunch of stuff. He touched this little bit and it stuck on my heart. And I was like, I've never heard it that way. Because I think we walk in fear with this sometimes because we, don't have, we think we don't have anything. We think we're not doing anything. We think we have no results going on in our life. And the whole time he goes, yeah, but I'm going to use that. Right. Because if you had a lot going on in your life, I couldn't use you. You'd be too occupied. Okay, so I want to read this. Um, Okay, here we go. I'm going to do it without my glasses because I didn't put it in my notes. It says, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him and listened to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats on the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. I'll stop right there real quick. If you don't know, if you haven't heard this one, oh, I got it up there. These guys are awesome. And it, it says that he was preaching on the shore and then he noticed two empty boats. Not full boats, boats. These were empty boats. Peter and them had been fishing all night. They'd been doing this night after night after night, not catching anything. Do you think they were frustrated? Yes. Do you think they felt like they were failing? They were struggling. They didn't have anything to give. And Jesus comes up and says, hey, I want to use your boat. The only reason why he used the boat was because it was empty. He couldn't have used it if it was full. Because if they were catching a whole bunch of stuff, they'd have been cleaning fish. They'd have been counting fish. They'd have been doing all kinds of stuff other than listening or looking for Jesus. But he says, since your boat's empty, now I can use it. Now I can get on there. Now I can share the word. Now I can tell people about my father. So see, some of us get so caught up with everything going on in life, we think we're supposed to have all this stuff going on. And if not, we're failing. And the whole time Jesus is saying, just get a little more empty. Because if you, if you just give me a second, I'm going to walk by and I'm going to jump in the empty boat because that's the one that's available for me to come pour into and, and to preach out of. So, oh, okay, let's keep going. It says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets and catch some fish. 
So this whole time I thought of this as a story about a massive miracle. Like you didn't get anything. You just got to listen to Jesus and he'll go tell you where to go. And man, you'll pull up a whole bunch of fish because they do. It like almost floods the boats. You know, people, and they talk about how full these boats were and stuff like that. Pretty much the whole time I've been caught up on that. That this was all about, man, if we just listen to him, he'll tell us where to go. Our boats will be full. It doesn't even tell you what he was preaching about. Nothing. So it can't be about the message. It just says he taught. He pushed it out the water. He sat in a boat and taught the crowds from there. Doesn't tell you anywhere in the Bible what he taught about. So that's obviously not the important part of that message. The important part is that there was an empty boat to get into. Then after he filled it up, what did he tell him to do? So now he had an empty boat. So he got in and preached. Then he sends him out to the deep. Now you got to go deep. I'm going to preach out of your emptiness. I'm going I'm to step in your emptiness, and I'm going to send you into the deep. And when you're out in the deep, you can't see nothing. You're just going to trust me. And he goes, I'm going to fill your boat. See, some of you have been walking in this. You're walking in this emptiness. And he's ready to step into your boat right beside you and go, trust me. Now let's go deep together. It's going to take a little bit of time of me and you sitting together, one-on-one, face-to-face. I'm talking face-to-face. That's not from a distance. That's like nose-to-nose. That's uncomfortable. But that's where he wants you. And when you do that, he's going to fill your boat up. But here's the cool part. Once it's full, you don't even want it no more. Because what did he tell him? He said, Peter, come follow me. And what did he do? Left everything. It wasn't important to him anymore. He wanted nothing to do with the fish anymore. As soon as he went deep with him, as soon as he got intimate with the Lord, he wanted nothing to do with what he thought he did in the first place. Man. So I'm thinking about this as I'm, I'm, I'm talking about nations and I'm talking about missions and what we do. And a lot of us are going, I ain't got anything to offer. And he goes, that's what I like. Like, can I tell you the truth? I had no clue what I was walking into in Africa. The whole time I met up with people that I had met for, you know, the first time. And I'm in the airport. There's six of us. I knew some of them. And the one lady goes, so are you excited about going? I'm like, Sure. I'm like, I'm only here because I was told I had to be here. I'm not happy about flying 25 hours because I couldn't upgrade. (laughs) I'm a baby. (laughs) I'm like, I've flown that way before. We've flown all over the world. I said, but man, I'm just here. They're like, what are you excited for? I said, just to find out what God wants to do with me. I said, because I have no clue. You know, and, and I have no clue what I'm supposed to tell people. I don't speak either language. I just know I'm supposed to be there. And then to watch him take that and go, good, you're empty. That's all I needed was you to say whatever you want. And then when he drops you in, we didn't, I didn't know this was going to be a gigantic youth conference. I didn't know that, that we were going to see lives changed. I didn't know that we were going to see people that were embedded in the house with us get completely wrecked and their families get wrecked. I didn't know that. I didn't know that that maybe I was just supposed to go there as a dad and sit down next to somebody, which is what I shared last week, and watch a kid weep with his dad for the first time. I don't know. But I had to accept the fact that I was empty, that I didn't have a word. Can I tell you, I usually have a word ready when I come in here every Sunday. 
But when you're over there and you wake up and you're praying and you're worshiping and Mama Postery walks in and says, hey, you're going to go speak to, you know, the little kids, kindergartners today. And you're like, hmm, that's going to be good. <laughs> you guys know me. I love kids. <laughs> I'm like, how do you? By the way, they have switches over there. Them kids lay their head down and whap. <laughs> I was like, whoa. I was like, I don't know what that was, but that was pretty awesome. I was like, them kids wake up real quick and they're sitting there like, oops. I was like, that's pretty cool. But, you know, you just surrender to that and then you just allow the Lord to work through you. And most of those kids, and they had, so they were all being taught at this youth conference and we had about 350 kids, which was the largest of all time. Um, it's been growing every single year and they're from 12 different churches. Um, but different kinds of churches. So Hopegate, which is the church we support, um, they're the ones that we're coming alongside and helping. Um, Hopegate churches, that they, they understand beloved identity. So like, I'm in there going, once I start realizing this, I'm telling these little kids, you understand you're the light. And they're like, absolutely. And you're like, okay, um, they know that. Like, explain it. You know, and, and these kids get it. But then you see them teamed up with these other kids through the conference, and there's a lot of kids that don't. They're still taught that, that they serve a distant God that you can't talk to, that you can't be close to. And when you ask them, you know, you know, what, you know, what, what the word of God is, and they, they go, it's the Bible. They're like, it's the Bible. And I'm like, yeah, but did you read in John? where it says he is the word, the word was with God. And they're like, and they look at you and you're like, Jesus is the word, right? I said this, and look, this might get ugly, but I'm like, don't fall in love with this. I was like, this is the word. It is a word of God. But I said, you better fall in love with his voice because this is one bit. <laughs> When you get close with him, he'll speak stuff to you that ain't going to be in here. And that's going to be hard for some people to understand. Because he's going to speak to you. And these kids are like, well, how do you climb in his lap if he ain't here? Mike, these are good questions. Like, this is why I'm not in children's ministry. <laughs> I'm like, just listen. Can't you just say yes? <laughs> But it's really good. So, but you have to go with an open heart to, to, to do that. If you go over there thinking, okay, I'm gonna, I, I need to be the one speaking from the stage. I need to be the one sharing a message. You'll miss everything. You got to be empty. And I'm telling you, that's how he operated with Peter. He operated with him in emptiness. Man, the guy had an empty boat. And he says, and I don't know what he shared, but I'm pretty, pretty sure it was pretty important. Even though it wasn't important to us to have it in the Bible. I'm pretty sure that everybody that was listening, it wrecked their world. And that wouldn't have happened if he didn't have an empty boat. So don't get caught up in the fact that you don't have enough and you can't do enough and, and you don't bring anything to the table. Because he goes, I don't need anything. He goes, I'll take your, your, your emptiness and your nothing and it'll change the world if you'll let me. So you, you are all overqualified. Everything you have right now makes you overqualified. And he'll use every bit of it. Hmm. All right. 
So why do we go to the nations? Let's get off that now that I wasn't going to talk about that. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I love this because this is exactly what we did. Jesus called a, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of age. That's why we go. And what's really cool is when you're over there and you're standing in water that you don't know what it is and you don't know what's in there. <laughs> and, you're, and you're baptizing these young kids. And you saw, if you missed the video last week, he explained it, but they're fearful of water. Serpent spirits in the water, they came out of voodoo. Voodoo is the number one religion in Benin. It was the found, they founded it. Fear is in them. So these kids were, some of them were clenching so tight to the lady walking out because they did not want to walk in the water. But when you're out there and you're baptizing them and you see them come out and they're smiling and they're jumping up and down and the Holy Ghost breaks loose, we had a couple of them where they just start screaming and jumping up and down and you're just like, ha, freedom, 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 freedom. And that's what happens when you say, yes, you get to go be part of that, which is really cool. <laughs> but beyond that, it makes a difference. You know, I talk, we talk all the time because now I get numerous phone calls from Benin, from all my new friends. And they don't speak English. But they do know I love you. They know Papa. So all they say is, Papa, I love you. But our driver, he was a super driver, so he says, Papa, I love you. Come on, let's go. Everybody, let's go. Because that's what he'd walk in the house and tell us to get moving every morning. So he just says it every day he calls me. Um, but those are relationships that are built when you say yes and walk into something that you have no clue why you're doing it. Mark thirteen ten says, for the good news must first be preached to all the nations. And you can go back and, and read the context of that. And this is when he's saying, it's more like when, when, when the end of times are coming, this is what's going to happen. You're going to see this, but nobody knows what it's going to be. But first, we've got to preach the good news. We've got to go to all the nations. That's our job. So if nobody wants to go, how do we do that? And not even go there. If you don't go to your community, if you don't go to your school, if you don't go to your work, if you don't start in your family, it's not going to happen. Because we got new people all the time. <laughs> so this is a constant rotation, right? And I'm just giving you more scripture so you understand that this is for you. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and in, to the ends of the earth. So there he's talking about a city, not just those. It not, doesn't mean you're supposed to go there. Those represent land masses. Those represent populations. Those represent city, state, country, nation, world. So it all starts with us doing what we can do right where we're at. And then some of us, Going to the nations. While other people from those nations come here to do what we're not doing here. <laughs> Think about that. If God's calling them to come here to preach the gospel, we're doing something wrong. But it happens all the time. 
All right, so uh, I want to give you a little bit, just so you understand, if you hadn't been here before or heard this, we do support three missions um, right now. And I say missions, not missionaries, because we don't just sponsor families, and that's not what we do. Uh, these are through relationships. So Kevin and Crystal, um, they have started a relationship. They've been in a relationship in Kenya, Africa, with uh, the Pavilion Village, which our students have been hosting and pouring into and raising money. And now we're building a, a playground, and they, they, we've got them shoes and clothes. And every Christmas, we do something for them. And um, they got to go meet uh, one of the pastors. He, was, he wanted to come and speak, I believe, and then his, you saw the video. He did a video, but um, his son passed. Was that what it was, his son? His brother? Yeah. So he got to the States, came, and then his brother passed, so he had to go back. Um, but we have that. And right now, they plan on getting boots on ground over there sometime soon, if they quit going all over the world. <laughs> and then we have our other Africa family, where I just came back from, has been in Africa. Uh, both of them are orphanages. So we have an orphanage in Kenya, which is on the east side of Africa and on the west side of Africa. Actually, it's, they call it West Africa, but it's right in the little, little, little turning point there towards the end. It's West Africa, but that's Benin. So we actually have Africa surrounded east to west. Okay, so, so we're covering the continent that way in this little church, and we're supporting in a, in a big way. So we have Exodus House uh, which is an orphanage over there. Exodus House also is Hopegate Ministries. So basically, Exodus House Orphanage has 160 orphans. Um, that is, that's where this started. But through that, through a relationship three years ago, uh, ministry started and they, they were doing it without Pastor Jason and down in Southgate and us uh, for a while struggling on their own. But three years ago, they teamed up with Southgate and now it's starting to explode and amazing things are happening. We just ordained 12 pastors over there that were raised up in the orphanage and they were, they, and so they're doing true life. They, they are raising up sons and daughters who become mothers and fathers who raise up sons and daughters. And that's what we do. Okay. And, and that's the mission in Africa. So there it's a little bit different. We don't go over there to, to preach the gospel to a whole bunch of people. We go over there to, to support and encourage pastors that, are, that have it going. These guys got it going on. Like, they're, they're doing wonderful things. I mean, their churches are growing faster than they can build buildings. The only difference is over there, they don't have the fortunate thing that we have, which is called money. So I watched so many people sit in a church. So the, one of the churches I preached at had probably maybe 60 people in it. And when we did offering... You know, 85% of them came up and they just pretend they're putting, they just open their hand. They go, we give you everything and it's nothing, but we give it, we give it. So their offering isn't much at all. So it's not like you have 60 people in a church that are all giving and they can do wonderful things. They have nothing. They're all supported through Pocherie who runs the orphanage and she runs a farm and she does all these wonderful things because she is an absolutely amazing financial genius <laughs> and businesswoman and pastor and apostle. She has been called to change the nation. She, there's, there's like, I think she's like one of the only female apostles in Africa. Like they raised her up and they said, you, we are making you. And she was like, okay. <laughs> but the cool part is every story she tells me, it's all been with nothing. You know, you heard the story in the video about the land. She had nothing. Someone came and got her land the same day. 
Okay, everything she does. When we went over to the youth conference, 350 kids. It's never that big, but it keeps growing every year. I said, well, how much do you charge them? She goes, charge them? She goes, they have to pay like, it was like $1.50 to get a lanyard with their name on it. That's what they pay for a five-day stay at the place. I said, how much does it cost U.S. dollars for you to actually feed 350 kids and then all the pastors and take care of everything and the music that comes in and all the stuff? And for the whole facility that had multiple buildings, there's a lot of dirt, multiple buildings you know, and no air conditioner or anything. So you don't pay a big electric bill. It's just lights. We were stringing lights as we were sitting there. It was pretty cool. Um, and everything we did was at night pretty much. Um, and she goes, mm, right about $8,000. And I'm like, so you raised $8,000 for this? And she goes, no. She goes, I didn't have the money to pay for it when it started. I just had faith. So we invited everybody. And next thing you know, somebody came and paid for the facility. And then people started making food and bringing food. And then this happened, this happened. And pretty soon everything was paid for. Transportation. They had buses coming in. Now, these aren't like buses like Greyhound bus. I'm telling you. If they'd have pulled up, you wouldn't have got on it, let alone put your kids on it. Now, I did 23 years in the military. I looked at that thing. I was like, no way. And they're expensive to get buses to move these kids back and forth. We were trying to get a bus to take the kids from the orphanage down to to baptize them. And the guys kept coming up and asking for more money. See, that's how it works over there. There's no agreements. Unfortunately, they looked at us and said, you have Americans here? It's going to be a whole lot more now. And that's what she came up to me and she's like, they're charging more now today. And we just said, you know what? We had a couple cars. Let's start shuttling the kids in cars. So they would pack about 20 kids in a six-seat car. They're everywhere. We're like, get them down there, and we'll come back and get more. Get them down there, and we'll give them. We're going to show this guy we're not going to give in to him. But, uh, but, yeah, everything she does is like that. Everything she does has been just God will take care of it. And she keeps walking and, and, and he keeps bringing favor to it. So it's absolutely amazing. So we support them. Um, and then our other mission is down in Mexico. So this is huge. This is the one. Now, I'll tell you this. The one in Africa, Exodus House, which I'll, I'll continue talking about in a second. That's where I just came from. That's not a big place where we take a whole bunch of people. I'm looking for somebody that has the heart for, for that. Like I have a heart for that. And if our hearts match, I'm going to take you. Because I need someone else with eyes and boots on ground. Because it's never good to have one person that has the only vision and the only heart to do that. Because what happens if something happens to that one person? So it's going to take somebody. So when I find that person, you're going to go to Africa with me. I'm telling you right now, I'm leaving in August. Going back in August. Supposed to be every six months, but I wasn't going in February. Okay, but Jason and Southgate, they're taking a bunch of people with them families and, and they're going over there. Uh, they're going to be back in February and then I'm going in August. Um, and if I find that person that wants to go, that wants to be that person, then you're coming with me. Um, the other one is Mexico. Mexico's the exact opposite of that. Not opposite. It's the same. You have the same mission. We're preaching the gospel, but you know, we got to preach to people that never heard the gospel down there, but it's also a place to go and get trained. So we have a wonderful relationship, not only with Bo and Rachel there, because they live there, which makes it actually cheaper. (laughs) 
still going to have to pay, but it's still cheaper when you live in somebody's house that's there. And then Pastor Brandon, uh, who has a whole nother, so they were been doing it together. They're just in different locations. And we can split that up and swap things so we can take quite a few people. Um, they have a, a, they're building a beautiful facility down there and they have so much going on. It's, so that's the place to go where you get to learn, like you walk in and when someone says, hey, if you're coming with me, you're not just coming with me to watch. Like you're preaching every time we go somewhere. Like, so don't think you're coming to watch somebody else preach. That's the cool part. You know, I got there and Bo's like, hey, you're preaching tonight. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I don't speak Spanish. He goes, you'll have a translator or something or I'll translate or whatever. And I'm like, I've never done that before either. Doesn't matter. You just preach. And everywhere you go, we're doing three services a day. Driving here, drive there, drive there. Preach, 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 preach. And that's what it's going to be when we go to Mexico. Everybody's going to have an opportunity. You're going to be preaching all the time. You're going to be sharing all the time. And you're going to understand how easy it is to break down the word and actually share the gospel with people. It doesn't take a whole bunch. Some of you won't go out and share the gospel with anybody because you're like, oh, I don't know the Bible that well. You don't need to know the Bible that well. You can literally go share the testimony of how God wrecked your heart, and that's the gospel. I Quit overthinking stuff. There are no excuses. But we, we won't even take that stuff to our neighbors. <laughs> like, how do you start a conversation to tell them about Jesus? <laughs> I don't know. I wear shirts all the time to say something about that. Most people ask me about it. What's that mean? Good. I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you exactly what that means. Sit down. Have some coffee. But yes, so those are the three things we're pouring into. Um, and we're going to be able to take a whole lot more to Mexico. Um, and then as everything else grows, I would love to, you know, Kevin and Crystal, there are boots on the ground in, in Kenya right now. I have not met them yet, but they've been part of that family. So I love that fact that we have multiple relationships. So... Uh, when you give to those things, understand that you're giving, you know, you're giving to something powerful. You're not giving to, to something that you don't, you know, we supported missionaries before. I support, I'll, I'll just be honest with you. I supported missionaries before they came in the door and we had money in our budget and they're like, hey, we're going to go to India and we're going to preach the gospel. I was like, sounds good, man. <laughs> I was like, we'll support you. I like you. I like your wife. You guys seem to like you got this thing going on. And he went over there and he goes, and by the way, if you ever need information, like this is how we train our pastors to bring up pastors. I'll send you a book. It's a great way to guide pastors and lead pastors. And I'm like, cool. And I got it. And the very first page of the book says, um, we don't believe that females can be pastors. I called him up and I said, we're no longer supporting you. I said, because God doesn't put a restriction on that. And I have people that argue over that with me. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but I have a gift of being a pastor and I believe he can put that gift in anybody's heart. Doesn't matter what you look like, what, what you sound like. Doesn't matter. So, but when he said, yeah, we just won't do that. I said, well, then we're not going to support you anymore. So have a nice time. Hopefully you got money to get back from India. <laughs> but that's what we had to do. So anyway, what I want to do is show you, um, I went over there. So I'm going to show you some pictures here in a second so they can get prepared back there. But I went over there for two things. One, the, one of the biggest things is I wanted to be eyes and ears so we can verify that, that we as a church, as a family, are being good stewards of what God's blessed us with. And then I went over to lay eyes on target to make sure that they are being good stewards of what we're giving them. 
Okay, so um, I got to witness that at a bigger level with the youth conference and everything, but then I got to go to the orphanage and look at this. So I'm going to show you pictures of Exodus House, which is the orphanage. I'll talk through it a little bit about what things are and, and what, what it is. And some of it you're going to be like, that's horrible, but it's good for them. So I never want you to go, this isn't to, to wreck your heart because they don't have everything that your kids have. It's hard because when you see them, you want to give them everything your kids have. They don't need everything your kids have. They wouldn't know what half of that stuff is. But I'm going to show you stuff that, that they do need and things they're trying to do at the orphanage. Um, so you have a picture. I'm just going to talk to whichever one you pull up. Okay, this is easy. This is the well inside. So this is a well that was working. Uh, they used it for years, and the well itself is not that great anymore. The water's not that clean, but they washed their clothes there. That's their, there you go, that's their washer. Um, and the kids come out and wash their own clothes, 160 kids. They come out there, and they wash their clothes with that water. They finally have a big water tower that they, they fill up from another uh, pumped well that's off the property um, that fills up this water tower that they get cleaner water from for cooking. So I'm just going through some pictures here. These were some of the things I captured. This is in the orphanage. They, this is where they go to school. This is where they live. This is where they eat. This is the actual nurse's office. So she actually has the capability of bringing in a social worker and a nurse, which is very important because come rainy season is when all the, the issues with typhoid and and all these other mosquito transmitted diseases and everything come in and these kids get sick. So they have that little bed where they go in uh, and it's also a storage unit. <laughs> but she loses a whole bunch of money every year for doctors. They don't have, there's no medic, you don't have medical, like the country doesn't provide medical for you. You either pay for it or you don't get it. So the money she puts aside as she grows in numbers of kids, sometimes money goes away because you got to pay for medicines and, and all kinds of stuff to, to get the kids healthy. So go ahead, next picture. This is the social worker's office. So that's the one desk they have. She goes, that's our desk. <laughs> and that's where the social worker comes in. So they actually have somebody that comes in to make sure the kids. So what, what that means is that pretty much these kids have what the standard is in that region. So everything you see is the standard. What you're seeing is the house they're in is that's a standard house over there. It's just concrete and, and the doors and windows. Now they have the, the metal flaps on there. So, so that's good. But there's no air conditioning, uh, um, power, all that stuff is, is very limited. So next picture. This is one of their uh, open classrooms. It's also a play area. So they have the chalkboard on the wall. This is one of the original ones where they had the, um, they would, they, when they first started, they would actually sleep in there and teach in there and eat in there. Next. This is what their um, rooms look like. These are bunk beds, obviously. Um, they have mosquito netting on them because there's no windows or doors. Um, so the mosquitoes come in, so they get nets. Not every kid has nets. Um, they don't have enough bunk beds. Kids sleep on the floor because there's not enough bunk beds. Bunk beds cost $300 for two mattresses and a hand-built bunk. Now, that's pretty solid wood. I actually wish I, I saw a lot of great wood over there for the woodworkers in the room. If there was a way I could get to some of that wood home, it was amazing. But those are hand-built, and she said about 300 bucks U.S. gets all that, which, I don't know, it sounded expensive to me, but then when I started looking at it and how long they last, I guess it's a pretty good deal. Um, 
Next picture. This is, uh, so they have two lengthy dormitories. This is the one sink for the bathroom for the girls. And then there's another one like that for the boys. Inside those big metal doors, it shuts. And inside those is either a toilet or a shower. But it's not a shower like you know. It's a shower with a bucket. So they fill up a bucket of water and they dump it on themselves. So go to the next picture. Um, this is a... This is what has become, they started building this a week before we got there. This is going to be a kitchen. They had a kitchen and it got destroyed in a windstorm and collapsed. So they don't have a kitchen. So they started building this. And I said, this is going to be a kitchen for all the kids. And they said, yes, we're going to prepare the food for them, take care of everything. I said, what's it going to cost to finish that? She said, 3,000 American dollars. And that's what they're waiting on. I was like, $3,000 to finish the whole kitchen? I was like, okay. Good to know. See, I like, I'm a numbers guy. I like to know numbers. They mean something to some people. Next picture. That's looking out one of the doors, and that's their makeshift kitchen right now. And that's a little girl. She's crushing up some corn. They're getting ready. They, they, those, are, those little black pots is how they wash some of the dishes they have. Um, and to the left is just a big dump area where they dump all their trash. Next picture. This is one of the showers, so that's what they look like. And you have the bucket, you just kind of dump it on you and clean up. Next picture. This is their oven they use. Uh, Pocherie actually uh, has an amazing recipe for cookies. And her cookies, when they order them uh, at the market, they're sold before she makes them. And she has the recipe, and they have these huge machines they use to... Uh, well, it's like a huge, like, it's not a KitchenAid, but it looks like this huge, it's a motorcycle-driven, like, mixer. Um, but she has a recipe, and they make cookies, and they actually cook them in these mud ovens and put them in there. And the kids run all that stuff, and her husband actually is running it now um, for them to make it. Here's the problem. The price of flour went up, so with the price of flour going up, nobody wants to, she couldn't raise the price of cookies because nobody would pay for it. So right now they're not making cookies. And in the meantime, while they're waiting to that, the transportation that they used to take the cookies to the market died. <laughs> and you're just like, ha. Ah. And every time they get money, like, and then the kids got sick. She's like, you got to take care of the kids. It costs $800 a month to feed all the kids, 160 kids. Which to the U.S., that's nothing. I mean, we produce probably spend about eight times that in just <laughs> a month. <laughs> So for $800 a month, she can feed every one of her children. Um, next picture. I don't even know what else I have up there. So this is a, they turned, since they weren't cooking anything, this was where they had some tables. They had to make storage space while they were cleaning. I guess some of this stuff was in that area where the kitchen that collapsed. So this was a, an old room where they shoved in all the trays and stuff. Those are cookie trays. So they have plenty of cookie trays. That's what I told her. So you have lots of cookie trays. So if you can make a bunch of cookies, you can make some money. And she knows that. Next picture. Um, they actually have this thing, which is a, uh, this is a water machine. So they have really good water, but they don't sell a lot of bottled water over there. Um, so what you do is that machine will take water, put it in plastic bags and seal it. Then they can go take a plastic bag of water and go sell it for five for a dollar and sell out. Someone gave them the machine. So 
all they do is have to bag up water and go sell it. So she's got all these things where she can make a lot of money when they get everything moving again. Next picture. She actually has an oven like that. But right now it's not working for some reason. Um, Who knows? I mean, you get these things given to you and you start operating with them, but nobody knows how to fix them. Um, So she has an oven that probably needs to be fixed. Next. Okay, so um, this was... Okay, this was my special moment. I wasn't going to, but we'll talk about this. I shared last week about the most important thing that happened there was talking with a son and getting him to actually weep with his dad. And I know how insensitive it is to capture that in a picture, but that was the most powerful thing that happened to me in Africa. Because we had to tell a kid to translate to his dad to tell his dad to tell him he loves him. And we had to tell a kid to, trans, to translate to his dad that he needs to hug him and we had it and that just doesn't happen and and he turned all his kids over to the orphanage when his wife died and he's been in grief and mourning for a very long time and he brought him there only because we were there because we talked to him because that young man would get up and read the bible with me in the morning and then it was a constant conversation and he wanted to bring his dad to meet us and that's what happened when you open doors like that so that was the most important thing i saw while I was there. Any more pictures about the Exodus house? Okay. So with the Exodus house, um, as you can see, it's, a, um, it's probably not the greatest living conditions for 160 kids. But it doesn't cost a whole bunch of money. See, they, they don't need the U.S. to come teach them how to, to love people. That country loves like I've never seen a country love before in my life. From the minute you get off the plane, everybody is smiling and loving on you. It is absolutely amazing. You cannot teach them anything like that. But the one thing that we have that they don't have are finances. We've been gifted that way. We live in a place where what we make, even the ones here that don't make a lot of money, that's a lot to them. I mean, medium range. Like if you have a job and you're working all the time, it's $75 a month. That's what they make. And like I said last week, I think that you'll spend that on Starbucks sometimes in a week. <laughs> so, it's, it, so we do have the ability to help them. They don't need us in a lot of ways, but they can use us in a, quite a few ways. But like I said, I don't like to give money to things that we don't actually see fruit from. So the goal was to go see the fruit. And when I did that, I got to see the pastors. I got to see the kids. I got to see her teaching them and every kid's in school. So... It costs her $125 a kid to put them in school every year. School's not provided. State doesn't provide for it. The country doesn't provide for it. You want to go to school? $125. To us, it's $125. To them, that's almost two months' pay. And she has to do it for 160 kids. $20,000 is what it costs her to put kids in school. And as they go through the grades, if they miss a year, they got to go back. So it's really not good. Um, so I'm just saying that because it's expensive, but I'm also saying that because I want to, you know, being good stewards is one thing, and I'll bring that back up in the end because I want to talk about that. So what do I mean by being a good steward? I do want to give you some scriptures. Uh, you guys liking the pictures? You want me to keep talking to some pictures real quick, and then I'll throw some more scripture at you? Well, let me, let me give you some scripture for this real quick. 1 Corinthians 4, 2. 
When it comes to the Exodus house, when it comes to the orphanage, when it comes to Paul Cherie, when it comes to her vision, 1 Corinthians 4, 2 says, now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. Must be faithful. You must be faithful in the Lord, but you also must be faithful in what's given to you. That's why it's important that when you give to people, you go lay eyes on target. So important. You will be held accountable as a manager of these things. Same thing in a church, same thing in any ministry you get. You need to understand that. When you're put in charge, there's a greater responsibility to that. And you actually have to go follow up with those things, which is what I'm trying to prove to you that I went and did that. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that she just wasn't living in a palace and, and, and not taking care of kids. Can I tell you this? That Pastor Jason personally rented her a house because she, needed a, she was living in the orphanage with the kids. And he says, you need a house to rest. So he rented her a house. I asked her, where do you rest? This is when I was there. And she goes, I can't rest. I said, why? She goes, I have 26 kids in my house. She goes, I don't need a place. I don't need a house. But when he gave me the house, I filled it up with kids because the kids needed more space, more than I needed. And I'm like, that wasn't the point. Like the point is for you to get away from the orphanage, rest, recuperate, so you can keep doing what you're doing. You're vital to this. Your faith is vital to this. She's making this happen by faith. And she's just stepping out in faith all the time. And she says yes. And I'm like, it's important you stay healthy. <laughs> we need you healthy. So, yeah, so that's just another proof that it's not about her. Matthew 25, 29 says to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those, for those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. To those who use well what they are given. So when I look at her and I look at everything that's been given to her and I see how she pours it into everything around her, that's why she keeps getting more and more and more. They've just planted, they have four churches she started out of there. One of those churches is a church that we gave to and it helped them build. You have pictures of that one? Can you put pictures up of Hopegate? You need to see this. So that's the well that they dug. So we have water on this new church property. And behind you is the walls of the church. Next picture. That's the inside of the church right now. The wall on the far right and the far left, when they first built it, it collapsed. So they had to spend more money and build it back up. But now it's pretty secure. And I said, what's stopping you? And this is us going in there. That man walking in front of us, uh, he is going to be the pastor of that church. They did not know that, but that word was spoken over him while he was there. So he is now going to be the pastor of that church. He has 40 people meeting in his house already. That's him right there. Um, but that church alone... There's a lot, obviously, if you look at that and you go, what's it take to get a church up and running? Well, there you go. <laughs> That's what they have. They need a floor. They need a ceiling. They need doors. Um, they need electrical. It's not going to have air conditioning <laughs> or any of that stuff. And I asked her, I said, what's it going to cost for that and to make sure everything is good? And she said $10,000. And I was like, okay. That's just a number. I throw them out there just to tell you that that's what your money can do. And as we give, she goes, as soon as we have that built, 
then all she goes, it will flood this area. Right down the road from that's a voodoo church. It's awesome. I talk about living in no fear. Walk over there being a light, and everywhere you go, voodoo flees. Like, I was really expecting an encounter. Every time we went, I was like, come on, there's going to be an encounter. It, it couldn't even get close to us. Everywhere we went. We were driving on in the, in the, in the Ganvi, in, the, in the, 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 the village of the water, and we went by a voodoo church. They were running. I was like, that's so symbolic of everything that's happening right now. Like, these people can't even stand it. It's so good. But, but there you go. That's a little bit about, so your money did that. What you gave did that, which is cool. Unfortunately, the grass is growing in it already, but it just takes, when you run out, you run out. Like, it, so you understand her ministry. You have Southgate in Florida that pours into her ministry. We pour into her ministry. Damon Thompson Ministries pours into her ministry. Um, and there are some, uh, I know Brother, uh, Brother Bo and Mama Rachel are going to be pouring into them. And then we have, uh, they have some local people that give that she knows when they can give. That's how they bought the original orphanage property. Somebody local was like, I'm going to buy it for you. Okay. But the well is not always full. And you can imagine with 160 kids, the most important thing is food on the table, which is $800 a month. And you don't get a whole bunch. But like I said, I showed you the farm last week. She has a farm. They raise vegetables. They raise stuff. They take care of things. She's, she's coming up with, you know, the catfish thing makes $2,000 every five months. I mean, she has ideas and plans, but it takes money to, you know, it takes people and money to make things work. She has the greatest ideas that actually work. So, but yes, yeah, so she gets abundance because of that, because she takes everything she has and she, she puts it to the test and she does what she's supposed to do. Luke 16, 10 through 12 says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. If you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? That's huge. I used to use that all the time in the military. <laughs> Tell the young guys when they came in, if I can't trust you with waking up and coming to work, I can't trust you to work on a plane. It's little things, and you do it with your kids. You just don't, like, wake up one day and say, today is your job to go hunting. Here you go, son, who's two, and here's a rifle. Go kill something. You don't trust them like that yet. You know, you, you let them kill something small <laughs> with a knife. <laughs> but either way, it's, it's real simple. You always start small, and then when you've proven yourself with the smaller things, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And the same thing works in the kingdom. He says, I'm going to see what you do when I bless you with something. When I give to you, how do you handle that? How do you manage that? What do you do with that? And he's got his eyes on it all the time. And he's looking at it all the time. So how faithful are you with the little? It doesn't even have to be money. It's time. It's any resource. How faithful are you with that that he gives you? Because as you get older you realize how much better you can do with a lot of things. Like I get to see my son right now. He came in from, from Augusta to visit this week. So we've been camping since Sunday. <laughs> I love my camper too. I can't help it. It's so fun. But you know what? I got to realize that as I'm hanging out with him every day, I'm like, man, I was not faithful with my time with my son. 
when he was younger. I wasted that time. I said, I'm not going to do that anymore because I want to get more of that. <laughs> I want to receive that blessing. I want to spend more time with him now so that I'll get more and more time with him. And the fact is, love language is quality time. That makes it easy. Spend time with him. He wants to spend time with you. So it's all good. So how faithful are you with a little? You know, what's Abba given you and trusted you with that you hadn't done anything with yet? What has he blessed you with that you hadn't done anything with? What, what, if he's blessed you with time, what is it that, that you felt him telling you you were supposed to do with that time that you're not doing? Because if you want more time, he'll give it to you, but you better start using the time he gave you wisely. Because I tell you, what, that's one thing we all want more of. If I could just have more time. But what happens is we start chasing that thing to fill up the boat again. <laughs> right? So all of a sudden we want more time and then we're just still asking for more time because we took that time and filled it up with other useless stuff. Right? So, so what is it? Any resource. This is not just finances. This is any resources. So, so how are you taking care of what he gave you? So I want to share a little bit about this family before we leave, about our responsibility of, of helping out here because Kevin's been doing an amazing job. If, if you didn't know before I was the pastor here, <laughs> I served in the church and worked in the church and I'm not bragging, but I can do a lot of things. <laughs> like I, I know how to run almost everything, almost everything in the church. I know how to build stuff. I know how to wire stuff. I know how to, to run stuff. I know how to do a lot of things. Right? But I was also told that when I was appointed to this position that I'm going to have to pull my hands off some stuff. Well, when you do that, you realize real quick how hard it is to keep everything moving in the right direction when your hands aren't in it. You're not working 65 hours a week trying to make it all happen. So, you know, Kevin, uh, Kevin's taken over that responsibility. And I'm not going to lie, Kevin is really good at some things. And he's learning how to do a whole bunch of other things. But he didn't come into it with a wealth of knowledge. He just came into it with a yes. He goes, and I'll find it. So he, he started putting this thing on Facebook, a group of men, and texting people saying, hey, who can help out? Because we got a whole bunch of stuff that needs to be done in this church because we have to be good stewards of what God gave us. And people are giving, and what are we doing with that? Because you just can't hire people to do stuff all the time. That's expensive. People don't care if you're a church. It's all about money. Right? So it takes people coming in. So, you know, we've had a lot of people coming in. I thank the producer for coming in. They've been coming in and helping out and building things. And there's a whole list. We have students showing up on Thursdays. Now, he started that. So we have some students coming in on Thursdays, the homeschoolers that are starting to do work around here and helping clean up and doing things. We've had people coming in on Thursdays helping with filters and lights and stuff. And Chuck and, and Becky, Chuck, Chuck came in this week and put lights in our bathroom and lights in the hallways and lights, you know, because he, he goes, I have a day off. And Becky came help to help him. So they just did it as a family. You know, and it's stuff that, that just has to get done and we have to be good stewards of what we have, let alone all the stuff Ryan does in the background to fix things and build things. And, you know, it's all over the place. We have so many people that do it. And, and, and with that being said, a lot of that is just not that. We have people that have been blessed financially that just give. You know how nice that is? <laughs> to have people that completely trust God with everything they have. And they're like, yeah, we want to take care of that. 
We need to take care of that. Heart for the house. We have a whole church family that loves this house. That gives to this house. And because of that, we get to do things. Like this last time we did, we just, you know, we did our heart for the house. We've now fixed the roof. That's huge. So it shouldn't be dripping on us anymore. Okay. We, we had an AC unit that was not on the heart for our house list, but just died like a month, month ago. So that had to come out of that. That was like, you know, if you know how much it costs for an AC unit, I think we got a good deal on it, though. I think it was 6500 or something like that. That came out of there. We painted the entire building, y'all. That's huge. Also, guess what else got done? The parking lot got painted. If you didn't know, there's a, uh, someone gave us a building. <laughs> Who does that? Someone gave us a building, so we had to pay to have the building transported. So now we have another annex building right behind the church that we had to pay to get dropped off behind the church. But they gave us the building. Because Heart for the House says I needed like $6,000 to have a storage unit so we don't pay for to rent the storage units next door. And we were all talking about that, like, where are you going to get a house for $6,000? Well, it costs $3,000 to move one. I didn't know how we were going to get a $6,000 storage unit. But somebody gave us one. And it only cost us $3,000 to move it. So we save money. Okay. Uh, the deck. Somebody gave to fix the deck. Our deck, if you didn't realize it. That was a horse of different colors for a long time. And we were piecing it together because it got sealed and painted when it was wet. So therefore it rotted from the inside out. So we were fixing it, fixing it, fixing it. And finally we were like, we need to replace that deck because someone's going to get hurt. Actually, one of the painters fell through it. He didn't get hurt. And we know him. <laughs> so now it's all composite. So that got fixed this week. We still got to paint some stuff to make it all look brand new, but the whole bottom's composite. All the, the joists that got put in are all sealed, so they're not going to rot, and everything composite over top. I'm telling you, things are happening, but it's because we have good stewards, and we have people that, that hear from God, and they have a gift, and they're not holding that gift back, okay? And that's important, and you need to hear that. You need to hear, you know, that, that also out of all that money, we replaced the subwoofers in here. We did a whole new online. If you haven't watched online, it's getting a whole lot better. Yeah, <laughs> everybody's like, yay. So, our whole, we had to buy new equipment, new everything for that. And mics that are hanging now and things that are getting done. So, so that's all just from heart for the house because you know, that's just not a normal generation of funds when it comes to a church. It'll get to that point where that can be normal. But when you're still trying to establish a church and we still have a parking lot that, 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 that is flooding out now that we got <laughs> we to gotta get back on. That's our next big project is to stop it from washing away the fence we've put up. But, um, but really good stuff. So I wanted to share that because you need to understand that, that you give to a place that is, they're good stewards. We, 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 we spend wisely. We do what God wants us to do. And because of that, he blesses us. And that's kind of cool. It's kind of cool that when you say yes and you keep doing what he wants to do, that, that he keeps making ways for everything to happen. So, so that's good. Um, so I wanted to share that because I know we give here and I, and I know we, we give to Post Cherie. So I want to do this and because we got a call. And look, in no way, this is, there's no obligation to this. But I know there's probably some people that are listening or here that have not been able to do anything for the orphanage. But... Um, 
She has 40 kids that do not have school paid for. And we have four ministries right now that are all reaching out this weekend. Brother Bo is reaching out to his church. Jason's reaching out to his church. They're reaching out to Damon Thompson's church. They're reaching, and I'm reaching out to you guys. And she's reaching out, a local person that was providing that, that fell through. And she goes, I got 40 kids that need school. $125 a kid, that's $5,000. So Jason called me and he goes, I know you just gave. We just, we, we just gave. Like we blessed them. And if you've heard all the money that I've talked about, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's easy to spend money over there when you need stuff. But either way, I'm going to offer that up to y'all. And, and, it, and if that's what you want to give to, if you want to help in any way, I don't care if you sponsor a kid. I don't care if you give $5. I don't care if you don't give. This is not a twist your arm to give. This is, there is a need, but it's going to a great cause of people that need help. Now we have blessed them this year. We have done amazing for them. Um, and she honors that and she loves you. And, and look, and these kids, you go lay eyes on some of these kids. I want to bring them all home. But unfortunately you can't. So just pray about that. If, if, if God speaks to you to give to that, I'm sure if we team up with all the other ministries, we're going we're to come close. And then I know she has faith enough and I have faith too. See, here's the thing. She can have faith. And the cool part about that is she can have all the faith to give and then God puts that in us. And God speaks that into each one of us. And then we have to have faith to trust his voice. Because her miracle's sitting on our chest. Her miracle's sitting in our hearts. Because trust me, we don't like that voice sometimes. When God says, you need to give this much. And you're like, hmm. Did I hear that right? Did that calculator just pop in an extra zero? <laughs> right? So sometimes we don't like that sound, um, but we've got to have faith. So her praying and her faith to even reach out opens the door for, to allow us to be what we can be to them, you know, which is somebody to help supply that. So if you want to give to that, um, you, you can give online. You can give, right? Exodus House. You can, you know, Africa, however you want to do it. So I know that money can get to them, um, extremely blessed. If you didn't know when she came here, we, we have blessed her abundantly and we don't ever want to be known as just the people that bless people abundantly. I don't want that. This, that's why I went over there. This is relationship. This is family. Like she stayed in my house. We stayed over there. When she comes back to the States, she wants to come stay with us again. One of her sons wants to come over and live with us for like a month. I'm good with that. Um, this is family stuff now. So when we say that we're family, it's because we stretch across the globe. So we have family everywhere and family helps out family. So uh, whatever that looks like, if you want to give to that, I already mentioned a lot of the stuff that it goes to. Um, she makes all kinds of stuff to sell. I think I covered it. I was trying to off the top of my head, make sure I caught everything. But, um, but yes. Huh. Anyway. So take away from today so we can get out of here. Um, and we can have our meetings, so don't forget that if you're into missions, uh, you want to know more about that, stay here afterwards. Um, Takeaway, um, trust in what God tells you to do. <laughs> trust his voice. When he tells you to do something, just trust it. Because I can tell you, when Ursula came to me and said, hey, God wants you to go to Africa, yeah, it's a little rough. But it turned out amazing. It turned out to be exactly what I needed to do. And it opened the gate to so many more opportunities. 
So I thank him for that. I thank, you know, I thank you for being obedient to hear that and then come tell me. Because that's kind of awkward <laughs> just to randomly tell somebody they have to go to another continent. So you got to trust his word. Don't overthink things. <laughs> Quit overthinking things in your life. When you hear God move, just move. Just do it. Try that once in a while. Don't overthink it. Don't, don't. Either way, sometimes you'll hear something and you're like, there's no way. That would be way too fun. Yep. Do it. Go. Because he has his hands on it. And he's going to work amazing things in that. And quit thinking that you don't have enough to offer. He wants to use an empty boat. He wants to use you. So if you're thinking that, that I just don't have enough to offer, I feel like I've not been doing anything. I feel like I've been spinning my wheels. I'm not making progress. I don't care if you're a business owner. I don't care if you're just somebody that just says, man, I go to work every day and come home and I don't feel like I'm making a difference. You're making a difference. And he's getting ready to jump in your boat. He's getting ready to do something amazing through you. So don't give up. And some of you, he's already been in the boat and he told you to go deep with him and you still haven't. So that goes right back to the obedience thing. Spend some time with him. Sit in his lap, stare at his face. Listen to what he has to say. So that's it. Be good stewards of what God gives you. Trust me, she's doing her part. And we're doing our part. You guys are amazing. I do, trust me, when Jason called me, I was like, oh, I will go back to the church and ask him for money. And I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to give an opportunity to give because I'm not going to ask anybody to give. I'm going to give you an opportunity to give. And if you want to help accelerate her vision of what she's doing, that's how you do it. And we get to be a blessing. And like I said, when you handle the blessings like that, I'm not one that preaches on the, you know, prosperity and if you give 100 today God will give you 200 tomorrow I'm not saying that I'm saying when you honor what he's given you he makes a way <laughs> and he finds a way to bless you in ways you can't even begin to thank him for he'll open doors he'll do things he'll give you rest he'll give you peace so just let that be on your heart this morning so father we love you Lord and we thank you Father, I thank you for this family. I thank you for their trust. Father God, I thank you for what you're doing in us and through us. Father, I thank you that, that you get to do stuff in Africa through us. You get to do stuff in Mexico through us. So Lord, we, we thank you for that and we love you. Father, we ask you to have your way in everything we do. Speak clearly to us, Lord. Let your voice be so clear that we, we, can't, we can't mistake in it for anything else. And Father, I, I ask right now, you just, you just bless this house, bring favor upon this house. And all those who give, Lord, I ask that, 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 Lord, you just bless them. Bless the gift and the giver, Lord. Father, we know there's a way, and that's why you, you connected us all. So, so, Lord, I thank you for those that have the gift to give. I thank you for those that, that don't. I thank you for those that, that their gift is to, to say yes or to give a word or to pray or whatever it is, Lord. We all bring value to the family. So I thank you for everybody's gift in this house. I thank you for those hearts that help clean and fix and all those things, Lord. So I ask you to just continue to bless this house with them and bless their families and everything they're doing. Father, have your way in everything we do. Have your way, Lord. We love you. 
and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer this morning, we'll have the worship team, or we'll have the prayer team up here. Let's have the worship team pray over you this morning while the prayer team goes up and plays some instruments. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll have our prayer team available. Um, if you want to give and just to, to the church and, and your normal giving, if you want to do that, if you don't do it online, ushers will be at the door. You can go online. Um, once again, I love you guys. I thank you for everything. I look forward to seeing you next week. I'm excited about what God's doing, and I look forward to seeing you again. Love you guys. God bless.